Welcome to this episode of Season 4 of The Common Bridge, where policy and current events are discussed in a fiercely nonpartisan manner. The host, Richard Helpy, is a philanthropist, entrepreneur, and political analyst who has reached over 3.5 million listeners, viewers, and readers around the world. The Common Bridge is available on the Substack website and the Substack app. Just search for The Common Bridge. You can find the program on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Common Bridge draws guests and audiences from across the political spectrum, and we invite you to become a free or paid subscriber on your favorite medium. And welcome to The Common Bridge. We have a guest here today we haven't seen seen in a while. Rich, welcome back from the road. Well, we've seen me recorded, but yeah, been away for a little bit. Trying to escape the gray. I don't know if this is the end of winter or the beginning of spring, but typical schizophrenia in Michigan in terms of weather. But happy to be home. We got a lot to cover today, and I hope you, uh, I hope you're comfortable because I'm going to do a little bit of a mix of topics we haven't talked about, and I have some stuff from the mailbag here. I think we'll have a lot of fun with this. You ready to jump in? Absolutely. This is. I, I love these things that there's no preparation involved. All right. We'll start you off on an easy one. Well, let me just say this before you ask the question. I know it's a big development with significant implications, and then I can make a lot of speculation. So I, I obviously I read a lot of the news, and that's uh, how they hook people. It's a big development with significant implications. We talk about it on MSNBC tonight. Yeah, this whatever. one isn't breaking news, though. I want to start you off across the pond, and we're going to talk a little bit about the coronation coming up. What, what are your what, what's your take on that? We're going to have uh, Prince William and Harry. Is Meghan going? What's your take? You know, I don't follow the royals at all. I, I hope whatever they're doing that the people over there are happy. Okay, <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> no drama there. All right, then we'll just jump into the. Let's get into the into the swamp then. What's your I don't know elevator pitch or escalator pitch on uh, Trump's indictment in New York? Well, I actually read the indictment and. It, it was hilarious. They took one act and then sliced it 34 ways and said that's 34 counts. But wait, it's only a crime if they link it to a felony, which they didn't name. <laughs> and even the pundits on the left are like, yeah, this is really thin. But it's like it was Alvin Bragg taking the hand off. What amazes me is that we've been down this the walls are closing in story over and over again. And it's like people keep falling for it. And as you know, I'm no fan of Trump. I think he just needs to go away. He had his chance. He mishandled it and he needs to go away. But horrible abuse of the justice system and people can't defend it. So as much as uh, the, the, the left and the right, the Democrats and the Republicans seem to kick themselves in their own shins and step on their own toes. We had a situation in Tennessee when you were gone. I'm sure you followed it where there was a protest over um, gun legislation in the House in Tennessee Two, three, actually, I think representatives were voted on to be booted. Two were, two were African-American, probably doesn't look good for the Republicans on that. But What's your take on the whole thing on that on how that all went down in Tennessee? Well, look, as you know, I've written a lot about guns and there are uh, ways to stop violence by keeping firearms away from people that shouldn't have them. 
you know my oft-published and oft-referenced policy about graduated licensing, which would stop most of this mayhem, including the recent Louisville shooting. The guy bought the firearm on April 4th and a week later was in killing his former co-workers. It's insane what we're doing, but in our political world, we have some places going into permitless carry, which is crazy. And we have other places saying, it's the guns, it's the guns. And I'm saying, okay, if it's the guns, let's deputize the students. Let's have the ATF in full tactical gear, supervise them, and let's go zip code by zip code and pick up all the guns. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Because that's the two polars that we're between. So the Tennessee legislature so I had to look up, this is, and this is how bad our news reporting is. The headlines, GOP kicks out people that just wanted to speak. They kicked out two black representatives. 140,000 people will have no representation because of the evil GOP. And I'm like, what'd they do? Okay, is, is the question. I want to know, what did they do? Well, after some digging, <laughs> um, it turns out that these guys walked into the Tennessee legislature in session, leading dozens or hundreds of people, shouting through megaphones and destroying the representative democracy that they're part of. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. There's ways for them to get behind the podium and, and all these legislatures have their rules. And so they're they're like protesting the government that they're part of. And it reminds me back when all these groups were taking a knee about alleged police brutality. That's something that's off the radar these days. The the Ann Arbor City Council are all taking a knee for better police behavior. And I'm like, guys, the police department is a department of the city. You're taking a knee against yourself. It's ridiculous but we keep getting this garbage in the news because people keep buying the stuff. Okay, let's talk now a little bit about Dominion's lawsuit against Fox News. Great suit. And I think on the larger issue that we've talked about, and we've had lots of good guests on, Matt Taibbi, Joe Ferullo, others, Kevin Allen, about where's the journalism gone. Fox pioneered the affirmation programming. Uh, define a demographic and keep hammering them with stuff that'll get them alarmed and coming back. Well, the next logical extension of that craziness is just complete disregard for the truth. Okay. (laughs) And and from what I've read about Fox's own internal communication, like they're handing the evidence to Dominion voting systems. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, we knew this wasn't true, but Damn, it was a good story. But it it reinforces the bigger point. There's not a market for the truth. So when a place like Fox, in this instance, reports out about, hey, this laptop from Hunter Biden looks legit, nobody can believe him because they keep doing stuff like this around Dominion voting systems. Just saw a very recent polling that asked the Fox viewers what they thought about this, and the Fox viewer doesn't care if they were lying. And that's frightening, right? That sums it up right there. Okay, It's, It's idiocracy, and it is exactly what we don't need. We need people to be... Uh, holding the media companies accountable or just walking away from them. And this is why I like to always, I joke, big development, significant implications. 
oh, yeah. we've, we've, the thing that we were trying to like hang Trump on has run out of gas and we got to, re- we're now reloading with a new one. And people keep doing it. They keep buying it. MSNBC, CNN, and to a lesser extent, Fox all had record ratings from the day that Trump said he would be indicted all the way up until the day he was and shortly after. But all three networks claimed to be wanting to rid themselves of Trump. But I don't think that's true. They need Trump. So it's those three networks that really keep him in the spotlight. And it's really self-serving. They all need Trump. Uh, and, And the Democratic Party needs Trump. (laughs) <laughs> very bad. <laughs> the Republicans, it's like gum on their shoe they can't get rid of. <laughs> and and uh, like in terms of sensible things that have been said, which there is some sensible stuff being said and, and little of it getting reported, uh, Governor Kemp in Georgia saying that, you know what, Trump as the front runner, it's going to cost us the election. He's lost three or four election cycles in a row. And as you know, I'm well published on that. I think if Trump's the nominee, you could run a ham sandwich against him. And <laughs> it's going to be a 49 state landslide. Nobody wants him to be president. I mean, I'm not saying they'd vote for Hillary Clinton over him, but I'm saying just about anything else they go. Totally for. agree. So what are your thoughts on George Santos and some of the other circus characters we have in Congress and in the Senate right now? And I won't get into Marjorie Taylor Greene and that whole that whole circus. Well, we do. So George Santos. All right. It was like, oh, my God, this guy made up all this stuff. He's lying. He's telling contradictions. You know, those were all accurate assessments. He blends right in. He fits right into Washington. <laughs> I, I mean, I saw one thing where they laid it side by side against, you know, Biden's record. And all of a sudden, George Santos is clearly not qualified to do anything. It's like, never mind. He's just fits in there with all of them. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Brober, the only question is, okay, there's Larry and Moe. Where's Curly? <laughs> there's got to be like a desk in a newsroom that's the Marjorie Taylor Greene <laughs> desk. And we're going to go find her and make her say crazy stuff. And then you look over in the Senate and you've got Dianne Feinstein. They're finally going, well, mm, maybe she's not cognitively all there, physically all there to be the senator from the biggest state in the country, said the political party that has John Fetterman and Joe Biden in it. And then you said, well, who's she going to be replaced by? And you've got Barbara Lee. I think her first name is Barbara Lee. That is a yeah. That is a seventy-six-year-old, long track record progressive representative, and she's probably the most reasonable because the other two candidates are Katie Porter and Adam Schiff. Yeah, and, right. And Schiff can't get in the same room with the truth if his life depended on it. And it, to knock out Katie Porter, just go watch the Bill Maher segment with her and Piers Morgan. You know, she starts out by exaggerating all the talking points around January 6th, making stuff up, which I guess flies, and then just gets her head handed to her by Piers Morgan. But one of them, either Adam Schiff or Katie Porter, is now going to end up in what used to be the greatest deliberative body in the world. So it's a shame. Yeah, and there's some there's some urgency there because uh, with, with, Feinstein, with the margins being so close... With one of them gone or two of them gone, all of a sudden the uh, the GOP can run the Senate, right? So they could they can no, win the vote straight away. Not really, because the you know if if uh, Senator Feinstein uh, is unable to serve, then uh, Governor Newsom will appoint another yeah. Democrat. 
But that's so, why. They, but, so but the Democrats, is, the Democrats earn their their uh, majority. Yeah. Uh, in in the um, in, in the election cycle, um, you know, good job Herschel Walker and Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> but, they they uh they're they're gonna be fine they're gonna hold that if you're a democrat you should probably like that but i can't believe any thinking person isn't cringing at who's going into washington these days i mean it's you know it's absurd well then rich somebody like you and your colleagues with long storied careers in business successful careers in business why on earth would you or your colleagues or that type even think about serving in public office anymore. We used to go to, you know, uh, it could be a, a, a business person, an academic, a states person, a military person, and say, you know what, you, you've proven yourself, and now it, you're ready for bigger responsibility. Will you be our leader? And now we've devolved to this sideshow, and, you know, the primary system's hurting us very badly, hurting the country. We've talked about what voting reforms might need to be like, but I tell you what, when you have entrenched power, it's very, very difficult for people to make changes because it's just going to uh, impinge on their power that they have developed. And you're sitting in a governor's chair now or the presidency or a Senate seat. And what's your incentive to change? Yeah. Well, I, I've asked you off the record several times, hey, Rich, you ought to run for office. You're like, I don't want any part of that. And, no. and you know, and there's there's a great example, right? Yeah, I mean, but I will tell you this, Brian, like I'm a problem solver. And if my president or my governor, you know, called me today and said, look, we want you to work on whatever guns, voting, health care, things I'm reasonably qualified in. I'd go and serve to the best of my ability, you know, with a nonpartisan effort. I mean, that would be true if it was, you know, Rick Snyder or or Gretchen Whitmer or Donald Trump or, or Joe Biden or, or any of them. But we've gotten away from this notion of service. And now it's uh, politics is entertainment. And the, you know, the three villains here are the Democrats, Republicans and the uh, media system. All right. Let's talk about Dylan Mulvaney, Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light. <laughs> what do you think of that? Well, first of all, Bud Light, despite the fact that we drank that after most of our hockey games. It's pretty wretched stuff as far as beer goes. And <laughs> oh, no. like, I, don't, I don't have a dog in this fight. And But it's interesting that we hear about this Dylan Mulvaney, a caricature of a young woman. We don't hear about Kiara Bell, who sued the National Health Services in the UK over being rushed into detransitioning or into a, a transition like that. And there's been a lot about this transgenderism and really where it is. And look, there are people that are genuinely intersex. They may have both female and male genitalia, like gonads and a vagina or some other combination of that. And there needs to be some kind of affirmation as they work through that process. I've personally known people that did develop outside of what their genitalia might say. It happens on a fairly natural basis. But this expanding and trying to tell little boys and little girls that you're not a little boy and a little girl, there's not a scientific basis for that. It's really more fetishism and getting people to have to buy into that. And when you see it spreading to young teenage girls, you know, this is the population that get bulimia and anorexia and cuts themselves. And this, you know, so-called firming care 
it's like telling Karen Carpenter, yeah, you're fat. And actually someone said, well, well, you can look at Karen and tell her she wasn't fat. And I'm like, hello, look at, you know, uh, Dennis there. And Dennis is, is a boy. Okay. You can, mm-hmm. you can do that. Yeah. And when you look at what other countries are doing, like Finland the, and the United Kingdom cutting back on this, why we're not pumping the brakes in this country for juveniles. Now, again, I'm an adult wants to do anything they want to do to themselves. You know, you've reached an age of majority. You're free to do that. You know, uh, I hope you find happiness. But this running this down on little kids who are being sexualized way before their time and uh, interrupting uh, natural puberty is uh, it's it's insane. And some of these young girls are under so much pressure and it's just social pressure that they think they want to change. A good friend of mine has a charter school. Um, K through eight and the eighth graders, every one of the eighth grade girls now thinks they are non-binary. And I think that's much more to do with what they're seeing on social media and talking with each other. It's a confusing time for teenage girls and this just makes it worse. Yeah, the term I've heard quite, it's called sudden onset gender dysphoria. <laughs> Look, there's uh, a couple of things that uh, some people subscribe to as science and some don't. Uh, one's called autogynephilia, which is a form of a sexual response in biological males that they're characterized by the idea of being female. And the opposite of that called autoandrophilia, which is a form of sexual response in the opposite of females wanting to be male. But, but for, you know, it doesn't kind of like invade like a virus requiring a society to buy into someone's fetish or caricature as some kind of statement of freedom is insane. So I read two stories on transgenderism that were supportive in the New York Times over the weekend. You got to read the comments. The comments, there's so many that said, look, I'm further to the left of anybody in the Democratic Party. I've been that way. But but no, this is what we're doing to kids. This is a bridge too far. We got to stop. And not to mention the suicide impact of all this, right? Yeah, well, first of all, there's no credible study that says that an adolescent that says they have gender dysphoria that is denied uh, the ability to have people participate in that isn't going to be any more suicidal than the opposite of those. But also, when I hear that, it it reminds me of the person that says, listen, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. It's just it's a form of emotional blackmail, Um, you know, no different than you know, a young woman saying, you know, if you don't let me uh, date the 21-year-old college guy next door uh, because I'm so in love, I'm going to kill myself. You know, you wouldn't give in to that. Um, you know, there's times you got to step up and and be a parent and uh, get the right care and, and make sure that they're in a safe place. And there's a, lots of different ways to do that. But the notion that we have to put in dangerous chemicals to people, adolescents, stuff them full of cross-sex hormones, and then surgically mutilate them so they don't kill themselves is is a crazy argument. And again, as a nonpartisan person and someone that's trying to solve a problem and find the middle ground, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, reserve that type of intervention for adults, let them do what they need to do. And when you have somebody that's medically intersex, 
Again, I'll give you a couple examples like that. That's a very private thing between the family and the person and the medical community. Let them work that out. But to take a perfectly healthy young man or young woman and begin trying to transform them in a Frankenstein way because of what's in their head and making the world conform to everything they want to say, no, that's that there's no good future for society doing that. It gets the same thing about people are saying, well, certain persons, they're against drag shows. Look, there's been transvestites and there's been drag shows since the beginning of time. You know, the Bible talks about eunuchs, right? That's from as far back as we can record. Nobody has an objection to drag shows, but is that really part of the first grade curriculum? I mean, I've hired a lot of people and, you know, we would interview them and find out what their education was like. You know, do they have math skills, problem solving skills? You know, can they read? Can they write, et cetera? Can they research? We've never had a situation where we said, oh, you know something? Mm, their school district didn't have drag shows in the you know first three grades. And so they, they're just they're just missing out on their education. Well, you know, then you've got that story out of Portland, Maine, where a mother sued the school system and the employees and everybody there in federal court saying that they supported their uh, their child's gender expression. And they also purchased a chess binder for their 13-year-old girl to hide her breasts. And they didn't inform the parents about any of that. I'm sure you're thrilled with that notion. Well, look, you've got uh, school systems. They can't give a kid an aspirin or a Tylenol for a headache. They're not allowed to administer anything like that. It's trying to twist the notion that the child doesn't belong to the parents or doesn't belong to the family. You know, there's there's a duty within the education system if a child's being abused. But what you have to be careful of is that slippery slope of what defines abuse versus what defines good parenting. There's a bill that has gone through at least the legislature in Washington. I've been uh, reading that uh, over the last couple of days. I think it's 5599. I may not have the exact number, but it's basically trying to say that not buying into somebody's dysphoria, gender dysphoria, is a form of abuse. And it's crazy. There's a time when people need to sit down and have a discussion about this and be the adults in the room, help guide this young person into a successful adulthood and don't leave the parents out of this. Okay. Well, um, I, I want to go to the mailbag just for a moment. And this is kind of nebulous, but it's nice tee up. I get this from Dan Powers from uh, Opelika, Alabama. What is your thoughts on the? What are your thoughts on the leaks of the information about the Ukraine war from the twenty-one-year-old and his little buddies online? Well, uh, first of all, uh, we're early in the story um, that it. it it was discovered by a journalist, um, not by any of the you know intelligence agencies. That's worrisome. And, yeah, um, a 21-year-old Air National Guard uh, member is the one that's purported to have initiated the leaks and then shared them online um, in gaming rooms. Um, how was security breached to the point where? Um, this information was available to someone at that level of classification. Um, you know, I think there's a lot more to be said here, um, but, you know, you, you can't fight a war or engage in diplomacy um, if your security information is compromised. 
but and and we've got Marjorie Taylor Greene saying that that young man's a hero for leaking that out. I don't quite get that. She's taken some rebukes from her own party on that one. Well, there's there's days that um, Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, might say some intelligent things, um, but I haven't heard any yet. <laughs> so <laughs> there's. I mean, I, I look. I, I don't. I mean, I'll, you know. I look at. I I just hear the headlines and it's like someone's lurking around trying to <laughs> uh, get her to say something stupid so they can report it. And apparently you don't have to work that hard at it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to put her in the Prince William and Andrew and Harry and how, whatever the prince's names are category <laughs> people I don't care about. We get this one from uh, Mike Cannon uh, in Georgia. Oh, let's tease it up nicely. He's in Georgia. Uh, Rich, what are your predictions for the 2024 election? Who are your favorites? Who are the underdogs? What do you think? That's from Mike Cannon. Um, so on the Democrat side, it looks like uh, Joe Biden is steaming toward a, um, a renomination um, at the moment, uh, much to uh, my chagrin. And frankly, I'm a little appalled. Um but if you look across the Democratic bench, um, they don't have a lot of options uh, beyond Joe Biden. OK, unless they go to a moderate like a Joe Manchin mm -hmm. um, uh, or someone like that. So you, th and, you and think even, Kamala Harris is not an option? Oh, no, no. Uh, in fact, uh, Kamala Harris, um, you know, the, the, the other, I don't know, you ought to nominate her to the Supreme Court or something. But uh, she's mm -hmm. going to be uh, uh, more of an anchor because people will be, should logically be looking at her as, is she prepared for the presidency? Uh, now, she will be protected by the media, um, but uh, she's clearly not ready for, mm -hmm. for prime time in, in any form. So who do you see on that Republican side? Well, the Republicans have a deep bench. All right, They have uh, Ron DeSantis, who, despite all of the negative reporting, has done a great job as a governor of, um, of Florida. Uh, you have Nikki Haley, you have Tim Scott. Um, I know not a very popular choice, but, uh, you know, Mike Pence is a reasonable and capable executive, um, you know, and it not, is not very exciting, but maybe we could use a lack of excitement for a while. Right. Um, so, but the Republicans problem clearly is that uh, Donald Trump, you know, is the bull in the China shop. Uh, doesn't seem to care how much destruction he leaves in his wake and maybe trying to prove a point by running in the um, primaries and, uh, you know, creating havoc. And and uh, one of the first primaries, of course, New Hampshire and Governor Sununu is all but announced that he's going to run. Yeah. Um, and he seems like he's a, you know, reasonable executive. So, um the Republicans' problem is Donald Trump, and the uh, Democrats' problem is uh, Joe Biden and no bench. So yeah, there you have it. This is a little bit out of our wheelhouse, but Beth Cable from Chicago wrote, what do you think about the new mayor of Chicago, and how do you think unions are going to influence more elections in the future? There you have it. Well, public unions um, have always you know, been in power. And despite, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt saying he can't make a case for public unions because who are you um, negotiating with? And, you know, it's 
so the it's we'll, the unions are able to say, look, give us the contracts that we want, and we will give you the uh, workforce, uh, you know, the, for the elections, and we'll make sure that you get campaign donations. Um, and it, it's a, a, a very dirty cycle. Um, I, I feel bad for Chicago. Um, the new mayor was tested over the weekend uh, with you know mayhem, and instead of saying you know, condemning the lawbreakers, he said, well, you know what, you really can't blame them because they need a place to go. Um, you know, look at, and as you know, I, I am a, a fan of, of the late Detroit Mayor Coleman Young, um, because when he came into office, uh, first black man elected to uh, the mayor's office in the city of Detroit, famously told the criminals and thugs, this is his words, um, uh, to get out of town. Um, and he, he told him, quote, hit eight mile road. And, he, you know, people said, oh, he was telling him, go attack the suburbs. It's not what he was saying. What he's saying is there's not a place for you in the city of Detroit. Um, and, and we need to get more of that. Uh, I, I don't understand why the mayor feels like he has to put up with that versus saying, no, this is not going to happen on my watch. I mean, imagine if you're a homeowner, a taxpayer, um, you, you work in downtown Chicago and the mayor is like, yeah, well, I guess, you know, they stopped a few cars and terrorized a few people and broke a lot of glass. Uh, but it's cool. You know, they, it's no, no worries. All right. We've got one last, uh, thing here in the mailbag and we can wrap this up. It's from Sam Klein and Sam Klein is from Lincoln, Nebraska. And he says, Rich, where should I read and watch my news? I don't know where to get real news anymore. Well, I'm going to recommend that you go to Substack and you um, yeah. pick the writers. And um, with a uh, you know with a bit of a jaundiced eye, if you will, um, read multiple sources. Uh, there are other uh, f- more free press oriented sites out there that are coming online, um, uh, but the battle's on right now. Uh, we've seen that uh, big tech and legacy media. Uh, have colluded to censor and to try to define truth uh, that is not objective truth. Uh, we've talked about it just on this episode that um, only a part uh, of a story is getting reported or it's being misreported. Um, you know, look at the tragedy in Nashville, which you touched on. Um, it, it ceased being a story uh, when the uh, perpetrator was a um quote, transitioning, close quote, uh, young person that went out and murdered little children. Um, and you know, the first thing they said about this guy in, uh, the, in, what do they call him? The incel Intel, uh, fellow that, you know, uh, breached the security, uh, Mm -hmm. national security. First thing was always, he's a white Christian male. Uh, therefore these people must like them. Um, we just need to reject that identity politics reject that um really weak media reporting and 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 try to go to facts uh be careful about media that says well this could mean this and this could mean that and that's a favorite technique um you know to say well there was a there was a car accident well what if the person didn't have a license well well, what if they had been drinking well is there any evidence they didn't have a license no but what if and yeah, that's what we want right. to talk about. Yeah. Okay? It, it, it's, it's, that's what we have to stay away from is 
what are, is the speculation and get on to what are the facts. And I would encourage people when they hear something about legislation, say, ask what's in the bill. Okay. Remember uh, the Georgia voting bill. Um, oh, you couldn't give someone a glass of water. Uh, you know, not true, but that spread like wildfire. And asking that second follow-up question, you know, that, you know, what would happen, um, you know, if, if we didn't take action, um, that's what we need to ask. And I was like, you know, we talked about the case with the Tennessee, um, legislators coming in. I I literally had to dig. So what'd they do? Yeah. (laughs) Because the headline was the GOP kicked them out because they were two young black representatives. Like, well, that'd be pretty extreme, but th- but there's people that bit on that story. Oh yeah, and, and got all, got themselves all lathered up about it, and, and there's people that got that, that got all lathered up that Dominion voting systems were changing votes. Mm-hmm. Why not ask the second question? What's the evidence for that? Yeah, and they were still citing Antrim County, Michigan, yeah. on the voting machines. That. It was like there's like six thousand voters up there. I think it's sixty six hundred. There was a parameter file that was misloaded. They caught it right away. They corrected the parameter file, reran it, and you know they got an accurate count. But that's still being held up. Aha! Look at Antrim County. People don't even know where Antrim County is. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yes, yes, we do. It's right up here, and it's there's not very much. It's. And this is where people got to be smarter about what they consume. But then we'd never know if Prince William and Harry are going to be seated by someone's, <laughs> is it a wife or ex-wife, whatever, whatever they're up to. We, we, <laughs> what, we, we wouldn't know that. Great callback. Fantastic callback. But it's, I know this, Brian, I'm going to end where we started. It's a big development with significant implications. Tune in at 11. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming. It's good to see you again. And we'll look forward to the coming shows for the summer. I'm glad you're going to be around. Right. If we still have an audience after this, I'll see you. <laughs> All right, Rich. Take see care. You Bye. Thanks for joining us on The Common Bridge. Subscribe to The Common Bridge on Substack.com or use their Substack app where you can find more interviews, columns, videos, and nonpartisan discussions of the day. Just search for The Common Bridge. You can also find The Common Bridge on Mission Control Radio on your Radio Garden app.